1: Isaiah how to bring healing to Hezekiah. The Lord heals Hezekiah through boiling figs. He boils the figs and they kind of must make some sort of a poultice, and they put it on this boil of some sort that Isaiah has that's causing his illness and it goes away. What do we learn from this? What can we glean from this activity right here? Well, when the Lord answers prayer, we've talked about that a lot of times, but it shows that the Lord can use Anything to cause a healing.
0: God is the provider of all healing. You may say, wait a minute, what about modern medicine? Doesn't it take care of most of our ailments through clever procedures or pharmaceuticals? As Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, who gave us our intellectual abilities or the physical elements needed for medicine? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, as he begins his message Beloved of God, Boaster of Self.
1: As we began our study in 2 Kings, we had said that the events recorded in this book were not necessarily in chronological order. And we find that particularly true here as we've been studying the life of Hezekiah. We also said that in order to get a better look into the life of Hezekiah, all of his accomplishments and even his failures we need to read several different books of scriptures, not only here in 2 Kings, but also in 2 Chronicles, specifically chapter 32, and in Isaiah the prophet, specifically in chapters 38 and 39. And by reading all of those, we get a much clearer picture of Hezekiah and his life. Now, the last time we were together and studied Second Kings, we looked at chapter 19, where Hezekiah was faced with the annihilation of his kingdom by the Assyrian king. His name was Sennacherib Hezekiah took his worries, took his woes, took his troubles immediately to the Lord in prayer. And, Hez- and, and Sennacherib had sent Hezekiah letters, threatening letters, Uh, damning letters, letters of blaspheming our God. And what Hezekiah did was he went into the temple of the Lord, he sat before the Lord, and he laid all these letters out before the Lord. He cast his cares on his God, knowing that his God cared for him. So he put all these before him, and he went to prayer. And it wasn't very long after that, that the Lord answered his prayer mightily, Through the prophet Isaiah. And lo and behold, that everything came to a head. And this whole situation culminated when the Lord sent one angel. And that angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Also, as Isaiah prophesied, when Sennacherib returned to his home in Assyria... He was killed by his own sons. So at the end of chapter 19, the threat from Syria seemed to be gone. But as we begin our study, we notice these first three words in chapter 20, verse 1. In those days. What days? What is he talking about? Now remember the chronological problem. It seems that the events that were recorded in our scriptures in 2 Kings 20, along with Isaiah 38 and 39, Hezekiah's illness, his healings, welcoming in the Babylonian ambassadors, all happened before the Assyrians came to Jerusalem and threatened the city a second time. We can come to this conclusion, look to chapter verse 6 in chapter 20 where the Lord is talking through the prophet Isaiah, answering Hezekiah's prayer. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. And I will, make, I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. This is how chapter 19 basically ended. So we see that all the stuff that's happening now that we're going to read today happened before the second invasion. This is a very important event in the life of King Hezekiah. And the first thing we read after in those days was we find out that Hezekiah is sick. And he is near death. Let's read verse 1. And in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. If the Lord had said that to me, the first words out of my mouth would be unintelligible, and I would be a Jackie Gleason, "Humana, humana, humana." Why did the Lord say this? What was the illness? Well, we don't know what the illness was. Some think that it was... Um, some sort of illness a la a coronavirus that the Assyrians had that Isaiah seemed to catch. We don't know. Scripture doesn't say. Some believe, which seems more probable, that it was some sort of an affliction sent to Hezekiah because of what happened in chapter 18. In chapter 18, Hezekiah compromised with the Assyrians. Remember? He paid them tribute he took all of the gold out of his own treasuries and then he stripped the gold off of the doors of the temple, profaning the temple of God and giving that to the king of Assyria. Did the Lord send this sickness to discipline Hezekiah because of that? If you look at 2 Chronicles 32, it hints at that very thing, that this was a chastisement to Hezekiah. Isaiah's message from the Lord is quite solemn. So it shows just how serious this offense, if it was, was. Whether the illness was the Lord's way of humbling Hezekiah or not, this was serious. Set your house in order, make sure you have someone ready to uh, take, take your throne, make sure everything is in place. Regardless of why it happened, this got Hezekiah's attention super fast. I can imagine it would. But there's something we can glean from this, something that we can look at this and say, hmm, no one is immune. No one is immune. Hezekiah was a pretty godly man. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a reformer. He did a lot of good things for Judah. He followed the Lord. He prayed in earnest. The Lord answered his prayer. He did many good things. And yet, he gets sick and he's going to die. Yes, we do serve a God who heals. But that doesn't make those who serve him immune to sickness. Look at Elisha. Look at Paul. Paul concluded that his sickness was all for God's glory. His sickness was for glory of God. Hezekiah heard from the Lord through Isaiah that he was going to die. God, who was remarkably kind to Hezekiah, told him that his death was near. Not everybody's given that sort of a chance to get your house in order, to get things done. And when you compare 2 Kings 18.2 with 2 Kings 26, Hezekiah is now about 39 years old when he learns that he's going to die. So he needs to get his house in order. What does Hezekiah do? What does Hezekiah do? Well, knowing Hezekiah the way we do from our study, he immediately goes to prayer. He immediately goes to prayer. Look at t- verse 2. Then he, Hezekiah, turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. Let's look at 3, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now we know that Hezekiah was a man of prayer. He has proven that he was a man of prayer. He had a great relationship with the Lord God Jehovah. He prayed in earnest and he directed his prayer. And notice, he directed his prayer in privacy, he turned his head to the wall. He turned his back on Isaiah and turned his back to the wall. We're told in Isaiah 38 that as he turns his head to the wall and he prays, he weeps bitterly. He cries incredibly. And we find out at the end of verse 3 too. Hezekiah is weeping bitterly. The news of his pending death was overwhelming to him. Listen to his prayer. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a royal, loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. Now you might think that this kind of sounds ungodly because the focus is on his self-justification and on his good works. What is he saying here? (laughs) He's basically saying, Lord, I'm a good guy. Lord, I've done some good things. I'm not so bad. Remember, I'm a good guy. I've done these things. Now what you should do is you should rescue me. I'm okay. Come on, Lord. This confused me. It's confused me. So I had to go to David Guzik, our Calvary Chapel theologian, and he says this. Listen to this. Quote, under the old covenant, this was a valid principle on which to approach God. Passages like Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 show that under the old covenant, blessing and cursing was sent by God on the basis of obedience or disobedience. On that principle, David could write in Psalm 15, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly, who works righteousness, and speaks the truth in his heart. Guzik goes on, But under the new covenant, we are blessed on the principle of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said that in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Hezekiah's principle of prayer isn't fitting for the Christian today, Guzik continues. We pray in the name of Jesus, according to John 16. We don't pray in the name of who we are or what we've done. So Hezekiah is praying to the Lord, reminding the Lord of Hezekiah, his faithfulness. Not of the Lord's faithfulness, but of his faithfulness. Well, it worked. Hezekiah is a praying dude. Hezekiah knows how to talk to the Lord. Hezekiah has a fantastic relationship with God, and he knows how to talk to him. And he does. So look what happens in verses 4 through 7. The Lord answers Hezekiah's prayer almost immediately. And it happened, verse 4, before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him. Isaiah turned and was walking away from the king, and the Lord spoke to him right there that second. And this is what the Lord said to him in verse 5 through 7. Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on, a, on the boil, and he recovered. The Lord answers Hezekiah's prayer immediately. And he gives them two great promises. He tells them that he's going to be healed, and he's going to recover in three days. He's going to go to the temple and worship. And secondly, he says, when the Assyrians return, I'm going to defend the city for you. I'm going to take care of it. Now remember again, Hezekiah's healing took place before the second invasion of Sennacherib's army. The Lord tells Isaiah how to bring healing to Hezekiah. The Lord heals Hezekiah through boiling figs. He boils the figs and they kind of must make some sort of a poultice and they put it on this boil of some sort that Isaiah has that's causing his illness and it goes away. What do we learn from this? What can we glean from this activity right here? Well, when the Lord answers prayer... We've talked about that a lot of times, but it shows that the Lord can use anything to cause a healing, anything to cause a healing. The Lord can even do a miracle, but He uses a fig, boiling, makes a poultice, and they put it on the boil. The Lord certainly uses prayer. He uses medicine, whether it's natural or man-made, or a combination. But it's not the medicine that heals. It's it's not the poultice that healed. It's not the prayer that healed. It was the Lord God, Jehovah Raptor, that healed. Our God is a healer. Our God heals. And he gets the credit. Oh, he may use a doctor. He may use a vaccine. He may use a pill. He may use whatever. But it's the Lord that does the healing. All healing comes from God. All healing. And he deserves our glory and praise when a healing takes place. Not man. We can thank them, but they need to thank God for the wisdom that God gave them to develop that pill, to develop that vaccine, to develop whatever. God is the healer, Jehovah-Raptah. God, our healer. So in response to Hezekiah's prayer, God grants him 15 more years of life. Now he's 39, so he's going to live till he's 54. Isaiah's, Hezekiah's prayer was important to God. God had heard his prayers. Notice he says, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. Hezekiah earnestly went to God in prayer, and he cried, and his tears were real. Sometimes we cry tears, and they're not real. Hezekiah's tears were real, and God saw them, and he granted him 15 more years in this passionate prayer. The indication is, if Hezekiah hadn't made this passionate prayer, his life would not have been extended. It's another example of the principles that prayer matters. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts given to a Christian. Prayer matters. We should all be men and women of prayer. We should all be on our knees praying for the end of this coronavirus. We should all be on our knees praying for the, the 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 healing of people who have the virus, or healing for our friends, healing for this country, healing for those that have lost jobs and financial security, healing for the church, and healing that when we get back together, we should all be praying. What a privilege! And a gift that God has given us to come before him with petitions and supplications and intercessions. We get to come into the throne room of grace and ask for mercy. What a beautiful gift that we have. And oh, we take it for such granted. We take it for such granted. Usually, our prayer is our last resort instead of our first act. Our prayer is our last resort. Instead of our first act, when something happens, we should immediately pray. God gave Hezekiah two gifts, the extended life. He knew he had 15 years left. If you knew you had 15 years left, wouldn't you want to be serving God the best you can? I mean, if God told you the time that you had left, Wouldn't you want to serve him with all the gusto and everything that you had? Wouldn't you want to? You'd probably just go to every place you could. Nobody could shut you up. You'd probably go to everybody and tell them how good God is and and want them to be saved. Hezekiah had given fifteen years. If he were a wise king, oh, what could he do with this? What a motivation to walk to walk right with God. Well, we don't have that knowledge. We don't know when our time is. We don't know if we, as humans here, will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't know that. But we do know that he's coming again to retrieve us. We do know that he's coming again. And he will show up on these days. And as you look at things happening around the world, you've got to know that it's coming ever closer and closer and closer. It's right there. We're on the precipice, which means the edge. We are right there, folks. So we, too, should be motivated to spread the Word of God. We, too, should be motivated to pray. We, too, should be motivated to pray for each other and all the things that we usually pray for and more. We, should, we, too, should be sharing God's love everywhere we go. And this is what you would do if you knew the Lord was coming. If you got a letter in the mail tomorrow that said, This is the Lord. I'm coming back Thursday. Thursday. Well, tomorrow is Thursday. Well, you'd make every effort to do all you could to get people to come to him. This is what I think Hezekiah should do. I'm not Hezekiah, but anyhow, Hezekiah gets this beautiful, beautiful thing and gifts and stuff from the Lord. <laughs> and he asks for a sign. <laughs> I'm sorry. He gets this great gift and he says, look at verse 8 through 11. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I should go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, this is a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, but no, let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz." Hezekiah asked for a sign of the Lord. And the Lord says, well, make a choice. Do you want the sun to go forward? Do you want the sun to go backwards? And Hezekiah said, well, it's easy for the sun to go forward. Make it go backwards. Hezekiah's a man after my own heart. I asked the Lord for a sign, write it in the sky, Lord. And when he went right into the sky, I go, now turn it red. And you know, I wouldn't be satisfied with one sign. I'd have to have five or six. Hezekiah says, make it go backwards. Imagine asking for a sign for something for God, that working a sundial, moving forward or back. What would you like? Well, if it goes forward 10 degrees, that wouldn't be much, but let it go backwards. And it does. It went backwards. They call this the long night of Shennecarib. It's called the long night of Shennecarib. It is a fascinating story. We don't have time to get really into it, but go online and check it out. I mean, there are all sorts of theories as to why this happened. The planets aligning here and there and all this kind of stuff. It's really fascinating when you look at it. It's called The Long Night of Rib. And it, so much has been written about it. And, and very, very learned men like Chuck Missler, who was a super brain. He, he wrote about it and he wrote beautiful scriptures and beautiful things about it. You can look at it and it's really great. It's, it's really a, a fascinating thing. Now, you might be staying out there, impossible. Impossible. If right now you're thinking that God can't make the sun go back, if God can't stop the day like he did in Joshua's time, if God can't do these kind of things, I need to ask you a question. How big's your God? How big is your God? If you don't think God can do this type of thing, impossible? Impossible. Yes, if you got a puny little God that you created in your image, but if you cannot get through the first verse in the Bible, you're going to have a problem with everything else. Remember the first verse of the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Well, I like to say, if you can't get past the first four words in the beginning, God, you might as well close the book because you're going to have problems with the rest of the book. You are assured
0: This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. As you notice in the course of history, an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods. But the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example. In so many cases in 2 Kings, the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices. Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising. But that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on Assure Hope.